Hey y'all, this is Culture Soup, where tech, culture, and business collide. It's a podcast that spoons up everything hot from social media. I'm your host, L. Michelle Smith, and each episode, we bring you some of the most notable and not yet notable thought leaders in tech, business, and culture. wants to be a millionaire. (laughs) I know I do. How about you? Well, sometimes the wealth that we accumulate, if we're smart about it, comes about because of circumstances. And sometimes you're not planning to be a multimillionaire. Um, Sometimes you're not planning to be just a millionaire. Some of us aren't even planning to be a thousandaire. (laughs) But because of situations in our lives, We make do. Some of us better than others. I was thinking of how there's a time frame that's going on right now that some are calling the Black Renaissance. What does that exactly mean? I'll give you my take on it. So, Black people have always been creative. We've always been entrepreneurs. We've always been excellent. That's not the point. The point really is around access and the internet is one of the main factors that has given so many underrepresented groups, especially black people, access to create, to start businesses, to innovate in ways that they hadn't before and kind of in our faces. Um, I thought about that for a while and it made me think of a new friend that I made recently. I had the pleasure of hosting the opening plenary session that was focused on technology at the National Association of Black Journalists back in August in Detroit, Michigan, of all places, where we're seeing a renaissance all its own. During that session, we had a panel discussion that was hosted by Nightline's Lindsay Davis from ABC News and a lineup of thought leaders to talk about how journalists could leverage technology to do better storytelling. On that panel was a 20-year-old multimillionaire and his name was Jalen Bledsoe. And before we even kicked off, we were in the midst of sound check. Jalen made his way over to me at the podium and he gave me some notes on his bio, but we hit it off and noticed that there were some things that we could connect on. And so we decided to do that after everything was over and we have, and hopefully we'll be able to collaborate moving forward. But I wanted you to meet Jalen because Jalen did exactly that. He has leveraged the internet in a way that has merited him success and excellence. And he did it out of the sheer need to do better for himself and his family. So without further ado, I want you to meet Jalen Bledsoe, CEO of Bledsoe Global Group. Our Culture Soup moment 
really surrounds the idea of hashtag black excellence. You've seen it, right? Yes, ma'am. Yes, I have. <laughs> have you ever used it? I think I'm, uh, I, let me see. I, I don't know. I might have, I'm sure I have at some point in time. Well, I know I have, and typically it, it, it is something that I'm proud of that I'm sharing. And I think that it's hashtags like these, Black Girl Magic, you know, Black Excellence, Black Boy Joy, you name it. It comes from a different place. Um, it's pride, yes, but then there's something that's happening around technology that I've noted, and there have been other scholars and, and, and media folks that have noted what they're calling a Black Renaissance. Have I you noticed it. this too? Oh yeah, I mean, there's a there's, there's a big insurgence of you know of, of black success being highlighted even more, and I think as a result of that being highlighted more, people are more hungry to do it. Right. I was looking back at one of my uh, most my best tweets, and it was hashtag Black Guy Nerds. <laughs> it's my current pin tweet because it got so many retweets about a year or so ago. Tell me what Black Excellence means to you, and if you want to take a minute to tell your story because it's really fascinating. Thank you. Yeah, I, I'll give you the the quick the quick you know 20 year recap in 60 seconds. Uh, so today I'm 20. I'm the chief executive officer of the Global Group. I do consulting and investing. Uh, some of my consulting clients range from companies like Ford Motor Company uh, to brands and celebrities such as Steve Harvey. Um, started this company at the age of 12 as an IT consulting company building wow. websites and apps <laughs> for family and friends. Uh, the company grew from myself to 150 employees or contractors in about a year and a half. Um, at that point, I got some really significant press. I did an interview before I left the studio. We had 100,000 shares. Wow. And I went from being kind of the guy building a business in his bedroom to being a household name in a bunch of different uh, ways and more than mm -hmm. I expected. And, you know, it's, it's cool because, you know, that's the success. You know, today we've done X amount. Of, I can give you all the numbers and the stats, which, which are great. But I think the highlight is it's... My mom had me at 16, mm -hmm. single parent household. You know, I grew up in poverty, and my, by seeing my mom struggle, I took that same hustle that she had and applied it to my life and to my business. And so, you know, I think for me, black excellence is taking the taking the hustle that we all already have and applying it and focusing on our, on our development and our growth. Mm. I think sometimes society wants us to hustle and just live day to day. But I believe for, for me, black excellence is taking that same hustle. Yeah, living day to day, but also to building out our future, building out our legacy. That's amazing. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm a mom in chief, so oh I can relate <laughs> to your mother. Oh yeah, so sounds like she had some fire in her belly. You want to tell me more about that? I mean, you know, you look at a 16-year-old single mom, you know, went to school you know, with me. You know, there's plenty of days where I've been told I was in high school many years before I was in high school, you know, in terms of mm. her bringing me to class and make sure she got things done. Um, but also too, you know, seeing her, her, her grow, you know, and I never had a moment where our, our lights were off. I never had a moment where, you know, we didn't have our basic needs because she worked as much as she could to make sure she had it wow. and, and she could provide for us. So it's not just me, you know, and, and her household, it was me. It was my brother Cassius. It was my brother Zion, my brother Cameron. Wow. And so she took care of all of us and on a single mom budget and she made it work. Mama was killing it. Hey, but you know, that's the one thing I laugh when, when I moved on my own about two years ago, I recall immediately me cooking food and the food only lasting a day or two. Mm -hmm. But I remember my mom spending a lot less money, you know, half as much money as I spent on food and making it last for a week or more. Isn't that and so it's just, it's, it's just the power of a black woman 
I got to learn how to take that and apply it to business and to life because she knew how to make it happen. So it's possible that when Jesus fed the 5,000, he might have had a single mom along. Hey, that's what it was. (laughs) (laughs) He had a black single mom waiting in the the back, you know, cooking it up. There you go. There you go. So 12 years old, Jalen, what moved you at 12 to start a business? For me, it, it was both seeing that poverty. You know, I hated being poor. I, I always feel like God gave me that gave me a gift of um, of bouginess or high expensive taste. <laughs> a I could afford the high expensive taste, and plus, I was also a fat kid who liked Snickers. So, you know, I didn't want to be told no to my king size Snickers. Oh wow! And so I've always kind of had this. I've always kind of had this way of finding money. Um, I remember when I was in third grade cutting grass. Over summer, I cut grass one time, but I made thousands of dollars, ultimately because it wasn't me cutting that much grass. I realized that grass cutting was not for me, but I was able to go out and find someone who liked the love of cutting grass, find those who need their grass cut and bring them together. So I've always kind of had this mentality of, of entrepreneurship and connecting the need with those who could provide and meet that need. Amazing. And, and so for me, in, at 12, in a technology company, that was just years of me already building out websites and learning how to code on my own. So when I was in sixth grade, I taught myself to program, you know, seven languages out of 10 books over four weeks in my sixth grade summer. Jeez. And that was just me okay, having fun. Okay, wait, stop, stop. <laughs> I struggled. Well, I got basic. I learned basic when I, and, and I say basic, you're going to say, how old are you, Michelle? <laughs> but I don't ever touch a woman. Well, okay, good. Good for you. Your mother taught you well. But my dad taught me basic when I was about 12, right? And so okay. that was easy. But when I got to college and, you know, we're talking mainframes here. It's kind of scary, but we had to, yeah, we had to program Pascal on mainframes. So we didn't have computers in our room. The internet didn't exist. (laughs) And you know what? Here's the thing. This wasn't that long ago. Okay. But anyway, what I had to do, I had to walk all the way over to the Sid Richardson building, which from my, my dorm was a ways to go to do my homework. And Mm -hmm. my dad was concerned that it was at night in the dark. And so he didn't want his baby girl doing that. And he happened to program first generation computers. It always helps to have a dad like that. So he found one of those mainframe terminals you know, they're dummies. They don't have a CPU inside of them, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. he, he found one of those for me at a what, at the, what they call it, a um, second Saturday, where they had the <laughs> computer sales where you could like buy all the parts and build computers. So he bought wow. one there for cheap, put one in my room, and don't ask me how, he dialed into the mainframe for me. Now, this thing took forever. <laughs> forever. I mean, you probably don't even remember dial-up. But you remember, it used to do that. I've been, right? <laughs> I've been told that that was a noise. I didn't, I don't remember that noise, but I've been there told was that, that was a noise. Trust us about the noise. And then when you got on, you couldn't backspace to delete. What? Yeah. So I literally, I made a B in that class, and I think with today's technology, I should be able to go back. I don't want to, but I should be able to go back and ace that right. course. You know, it, it reminds me, I, I think I saw an article, I think last year, and you just look at how technology has evolved. Someone was, was running, I think it was Microsoft XP mm-hmm. um, on an Apple Watch, wow. you know? And so it's just crazy to think about how technology has evolved. So that way, you know, yeah, at one point that took a lot of work to do what you were doing, 
But today it's so easy, quote unquote. And so the systems we have today, you know, our phones are more powerful than the computers that took up entire rooms 20 years yeah. ago. Yeah, and that's just it. My dad was with the U.S. Defense Department and the U.S. Department of Labor, and he would literally walk into rooms that were filled with a computer, a computer, <laughs> like the ones you saw in Hidden Figures, right? And they needed fans because they emitted heat. What? And he was on punch cards. Yeah, see, I, I did programming when it was easy. I taught myself seven languages out of 10 books, and they were all for dummy books, so, you know. <laughs> <laughs> wow, so which languages were there? I'm, I'm intrigued. Let's see, so it was HTML, CSS, your basics, PHP, yes. Visual Basic, C++, C Sharp, and I think Python. I think that's seven. Yeah. Um, I taught in Java HTML. So it's kind of funny. You know, I had somebody design my site uh, just recently. It just launched and amazed at the back end of WordPress. It's just drag and drop. But Amazing. it's cool to be able to flip over and see the HTML and tweak it if I need to. You know, it's one of the, the best things in the world. You know, it, this moment validated WordPress for everybody because in, in the Obama administration, they actually launched, they relaunched the whitehouse.gov website on WordPress. Wow. And so uh, it just shows you how powerful that is, but how accessible it is for everyday users. Totally. I use it for Black Enterprise when I log my stories. Really? Yeah. Uh, we have uh, logins, each one of us, the contributors, and we can publish our own. Well, we don't publish them ourselves, but we tee them up for the editors to edit, and then they schedule it and send it out the door. That's amazing. Well, I First of all, I love Black Enterprises. We'll both be there in a few days or whenever this airs, we were there a few days ago. So yeah. I'm excited. Yeah. <laughs> so, hey, from 12, year old, 12 years old to, were you 15 when you made your first million? Yes, we were valued around three and a half million dollars at 15. And how did that happen? How did that happen? I think ultimately um, it was just fo it was a focus for me on, on growth. You know, I, I never planned on being a millionaire or wanting to see that, that number. I was focused on winning. Mm -hmm. And so I'm, I live in Missouri where it's, it's the show me state. And so I've always believed, you know, don't talk about what I'm going to do. I'm just going to do it. And so I built my entire business, you know, ultimately to this day, I still work out of my, you know, it was my parents' house in my, in my bedroom. And now it's an office in my condo. I love it. And so I've always kind of had that mentality of, you know, just honing in and working. And then one day I looked up and, you know, the numbers were where they needed to be at. And we were able to uh, get some offers for investments. Ultimately, we never took any investments because I didn't need any extra money, you know, to, to grow the business. I learned the concept of investing back into me really quickly. And so, you know, today with our real estate investments through wh whatever we have, there's no debt. There's no investors. It's all taking my profits and putting back into the business. That's amazing. No debt. Well, you, you know, there are probably yeah. some business owners, big and small, that need to sit with you and take a class on no debt. You know, it's, it's, I always laugh. I, I did a talk in Omaha a few weeks ago, and I was doing my class in entrepreneurship. And we had a 30 minutes on, hey, you know, how do we get an investment? And how do we get debt? And I laughed. I said, well, from the consumer side, I have no experience in that. I've never had to receive it. But I can tell you how to get it as an investor because I do a lot of investing. Mm -hmm. And so it's one of the things I think I've been blessed in. I've never had to be on the other side of the desk when it comes to you know, receiving money or even requesting money. What brings you to this moment? This moment. 
So really, so you know, I mentioned the story went viral, and ultimately that virality, I began to get phone calls from everybody and their mom, or grandmom, or daughter, or supposedly wife in Africa that I had. Um, I got a lot of emails, right? And I got a lot, of, a lot more business opportunities. So for me, you know, going viral out of just being the, the successful guy in St. Louis, I got calls from brands like Ford Motor Company to come and speak. And then for me, when I, when I look at relationships, I never look at anyone and saying, hey, give me money. I say, hey, how can I, how can I assist you? So with Ford, I went and spoke at one of their events for free and met the right contact within the company and, and signed on Ford as, as, a, as a client for one of their campaigns for us to serve as the agency and record for that campaign. Wow. And so I've always kind of just looked at, you know, how do I be, how do I build true relationship? Because that's what drives success. And so the company went from myself to, you know, 150 employees at 15. Today we have over 360 employees or contractors. We've done campaigns with some of your largest brands and businesses. We support it in the business structuring for brands and businesses and business development. So I think how I got here and what brings me to here is I, I focus truly on authentic relationships. Mm. And I think right now in a world of social media, we get away from that because it's like, okay, well, like this, like that, comment this. But how do I actually provide value to you? Mm-hmm. How do I you know, ask you, where can I assist you? How can I ask you what are your goals and how can I bring my experience or my connections or my relationships to you? To support, and as a result, you do the same, and we grow together. And I think that's what success is in business. Is you know, I, I think it was in, in this last album with Jay Z and Beyonce. I forget which song it was, but he says, you know, if you're the only one in your circle that's you know that's rich, then you're broke. Right. And so I want everybody in my in my circle to be at new levels that we were all succeeding together. I love that. You're a Gen Zer. A centennial, yes. right? So my daughter's a centennial. She kind of brings up the rear. She's six years old, and she was born in 2012. And you, you're a very unique bunch. But I got to <laughs> ask you, being 20 years old and sitting at the table with folks who are much older than you are in many cases, how has that presented challenges or even advantages. I think the, the biggest one is no one takes me serious, you know, when, when they when they when they hear my age first. Mm-hmm. And so luckily, I've been blessed with the receding hairline. <laughs> I call it the mo- I always compare it to um, to LeBron James. I call it the money line because his is far back too. So we're in the, we're in the same team. And I never lead with age. I lead with experience. And so I walk into the room and look at you know how do I show what I've done mm-hmm. and how do I provide value to you off the bat. So if I'm going to go do a proposal. My first, you know, month on the job is going to be free or a consulting basis for no money, for you know, for little money, you know, and I'm going to go in there and win and create big wins. That way, that justifies higher pay. Mm-hmm. I think at the same time, I think the, the young, the young factor does great with press. Mm. Ultimately, I've always told myself if I if I if I had the success I have today as a 30 year old, no one would care. True, you're, you're another one. And so I think there there has been a lot of benefit, you know, being the the young millionaire, the, the teenage millionaire that's played out great to even get me more clients. You know, one of my biggest fears forever, and it still is today, is like aging out of a, aging out of the fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I know like every December when it comes to speaking, I make no money ever in December from speaking. And so every December I get like, oh my God, I'm getting too old. No one wants to book me anymore. But then January comes, I get more money. So it, it, it works out fine. But like every December I'm like, okay, I'm getting old. I'm aging out of this. What's my backup plan? Well, and so and that I mean, was going to be my next question. I mean, you're you're the business prodigy, right? Mm-hmm. And you, yes. you hear this about 
you know, young musicians, young stars. Um, but you know what? You're in an industry that's always changing and you can stay ahead of the pack, don't yeah. you think? Just because of the nature of your business. So will yeah, it you really know, matter how old you, you know, are if you're doing I think for me, I've, I've had to really hone in over the last, I would say, year. What am I doing and what am I doing it for? Mm-hmm. And so then there was an element of where my success was, yeah, both in business, behind my desk and making money. But then it also became, I became the influencer. I became the guy speaking on stages. I became the guy who people want to give book deals to. And so I had to you know, take a moment and look back at myself. Am I doing it for the influencer status or am I doing it for a successful business? Right. And so I know, I know for a fact the influencer status you know, may, you know, may slow down because of age, and that's fine. And so I've had to really put my focus on, focus on revenue on the business side, focus on growing, focus on consulting clients. Mm-hmm. As long, as, as, long, as, that, as, long as, as that basis is successful, an influencer or not won't matter. And I think that's a big thing with social media where I have to, you know, it, it becomes a challenge because you see a Gary Vaynerchuk who is, you know, a great business guy, but also a really big influencer. Right. So you have to really evaluate in, in, this, in this time of life, am I wanting money you know, from my revenue and hard work, or am I wanting it because I got Instagram famous mm-hmm. or whatever you're famous on? Right. You know, it's interesting to hear people use the word influencer these days um, mm-hmm. in the internet age. It's very different. Yeah. And someone had to remind me because I am in communications, I am in marketing, I deal with these influencers quote unquote every day (laughs) and so I look at their followings and of course we look at their clout scores and we make sure that we see their engagement is on point before we get involved with them and pay them money Mm -hmm. I was having a very interesting conversation with a few colleagues and advisors of mine around employee advocacy Mm -hmm. and how employees are leveraging their influence on behalf of companies to broaden the company message that's and good. what get, gets lost in there is that because we are regular people, quote unquote, we're not Insta famous or what have you, we undervalue what essentially is our personal brands. Yeah. And our personal brands and our social networks, even if they're small, they have value because these are the relationships. We're back to that again. Yeah. That we have cultivated over years and years and years. And so sometimes we find ourselves as individuals, maybe not business prodigies or such, undervaluing the reach and influence that we have when the real definition of influence is when someone will change their behavior because of you. And yeah, that it, can happen in real life. It's, it's, it's that meaningful relationship. You know, mm-hmm. I, I look at... You know, I, I, there was a point in time where I had like 15, 20,000 people on Instagram following me because of, you know, all the viral moments. They saw my name. They clicked me. They followed me. Mm-hmm. But they weren't engaging. I was like, okay, well, right. I found an app. I went on the app and said, if you not engage me in 60 days, block them all. Remove them. Mm-hmm. And so I removed literally 13,000 people <laughs> off my Instagram because they weren't engaging. Right. I didn't want numbers. I wanted engagement. But even off, you know, offline, I look at how many deals I've brokered between friends and clients where it's a 50, 60, 70 million dollar funding deal, you know, from a client because I was able to make a phone call or send a text and make it happen. Right. And so there's so much more value, I think, you know, beyond the online space. 
And that's why you have to identify, you know, why are we doing this and what's my win doing what I'm doing? Right. If it's for social numbers, then okay, then you do that and you win or you fail. But if my goal is really to build meaningful relationships and grow my own business and be, be successful there, then that's my focus and that's what I'm going to do and that's what I'm going to win at. Right. And you know what? My prediction is, Jalen, you're going to be just fine. And let me tell you why. <laughs> Come on. Give me the reason. I actually stopped following somebody who's pretty famous mm -hmm. on Instagram and on Twitter because they have become more so of this internet famous and less about their skills. Mm -hmm. And for people like me who are looking for value that value people based on the incredible work that they're doing, that's what we really want to see. And then suddenly all I'm seeing is red bottoms in private jets around the globe. Yeah. It kind of tapped me out. And I well, read something today where they were talking about personal brands and they were saying, you know, the importance, the, the thing that fuels a personal brand is every once in a while, besides the digital platforms, besides the social platforms, besides the followers is you have to do something remarkable. Mm -hmm. And yeah. if you are constantly innovating and you're honing your craft and you're sharing content that is thoughtful you can maintain a brand, but if it is all about red bottoms and private jets and things like that, <laughs> you might Peter. Well, you know, and w one of the things I've looked at as I look at my brand and look at what we do on through my foundation, I spend a lot of money and I get a lot of money from organizations to fund our nonprofit work in our camps and our classes. You know, I just had an event in St. Louis where we raised, you know, a lot of money, um, both through ticket sales and sponsorships to help a community learn how to start a business, how to take their life to new levels by focusing. Mm -hmm. And so I brought in my friend, Winton Harvey, who's Steve Harvey's son, and a guy named Eric Hercules out of, out of New York, who's a phenomenal 26-year-old photographer who's ha who has his work you know, in, in, um, in Times Square on billboards. I brought them in to have a conversation from their experience, and they're both social influencers per se, but they didn't generate the money I generated in that weekend. They got paid a speaking fee. Mm -hmm. And so as my organization, I was able to better support those in the room by utilizing my relationships, my resources to give them value. Totally. And then the back end, you know, our sponsors came in, but you know, I look at the same thing, you know, I've flown on plenty, on plenty of private jets, mm -hmm. you know, but no one on social media would know that because that's not my goal. You know, my goal isn't to show what I've done or what I can do. It's how can I help you? You know, right. what can I show you? What can I teach you? Because ultimately you want to be where I'm at. I don't have to validate where I'm at with the picture. I know right. where I'm at. Right. How can I help you get here, you know? I love it. So Jalen, what's your current project? What do you want to want people to know about that you're working on right now? Current project. Um, I'm putting a lot of focus right now on my foundation, the Bledsoe Foundation, where we support youth and young adults uh, for success, help them prepare for success. They're providing resources and education in three areas, financial literacy, entrepreneurship, and technology entertainment. And so we do camps around the country right now, programs, you know, flagship events in St. Louis, where we're teaching high school students and, and young adults on how to start their business. It's the Bledsoe Foundation. You can find out information on my, you know, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, or my website, which is all jalenbledsoe.com. I have a heart right now to give all I can, so that's my biggest focus. That's excellent. Jalen, it has been a pleasure speaking with you on the Culture Soup podcast. And the soup was great. I'm full. <laughs> Awesome. Awesome. That's, that's the intent. So listen, where can we follow you on social media? 
Everywhere. It's Jalen Bledsoe, J-A-Y-L-E-N Bledsoe, B-L-E-D-S-O-E. Awesome. Any books we need to read? Anything that's about to drop that we need to do? So I don't have any books yet. I'm working on it. But the book I would recommend, it's it was my word for the year. My word for the year is focus. Mm-hmm. And so the book you have to read is called The One Thing by Gary Keller. That's awesome. And if you've not read it yet, if you've not read it yet, it's all about, you know, in a world of multitasking, don't do it. You know, mm-hmm. that's designed for computers, not for our brain. So find what your one thing is, find your focus, do that well, and you'll succeed. So instead of A, B, and C at the same time, A, then B, then C. Jalen Bledsoe, thank you so much for joining us. And if we can ever be of any support to you, and I'm saying that personally too, let me know. Thank you. I appreciate it. Love you all. All right. Love you back. Take care. What an amazing young man. I'm blessed to call him my friend now. And hopefully you know a little bit more about him too. That's Jalen Bledsoe, CEO of Bledsoe Global Group. And we have someone else coming up soon. We need you to tune in for the next episode. You'll get to hear from Chris Strub. He is the guy that I call the social media for social good guru. You won't want to miss this. In an internet full of negativity, he is sprinkling his pixie dust and helping nonprofits reach their goals. Until then, find us at theculturesoup.com. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at theculturesoup. And then listen to us and subscribe where you find your podcast. See you next time. The Culture Soup Podcast is a production of No Silos Communication.